Hello and welcome to the Infertility Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Candice. Grab a biscuit because we've got the tea on all things infertility. Hey guys, welcome to episode six. Hello. Your voice sounds a little raspy. Yeah. Well, we're back. Uh, thank you for being understanding in our absence. I was recovering from surgery and then I got sick, so I was in bed a lot. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, because you don't wait by your computer for our episodes to be released. There is literally no one who does not wait by their computer I for know. this. I know, you're right. It's the pinnacle of their lives. I know. It's like, what's hump day? It's... uh. Release day, it's right? Re- re- ooh. Hump and release day. in yeah. the same. That sounds bad. So anyways, special thank you to Daniel for giving me his lurgy. Thanks a lot. I'm sorry. I think I was patient zero for the entire yeah. Charleston area. Y'all heard how ill Daniel was on the last episode. So we flew to New York shortly after um, we recorded that episode. And then when we got there, it was so cold. Like, our Charleston bones couldn't handle it. Like, I think... The, couldn't the, hang. Yeah, the worst point, wasn't it, like, minus 10 with wind chill or it something? It was so cold. I've um, never felt anything like it. Yeah, it was like Antarctica. The deep south pole, it was Yeah, like. the deep south pole. But Daniel kind of relapsed a little bit while we were there. You were feeling a lot better, and then the day of our pre-op appointment, we were in Manhattan all day. Mm-hmm. And it was so cold. I think we were we were trying to find little patches of sun. <laughs> <laughs> we were, yeah, reflections off of the building, like yeah. the windows. Yeah, and it was like just a little bit of relief from the cold. It was pretty cool though. We had fun. we had fun. I just don't think we've ever been that cold. And yeah, I'm not sure how human beings function. I know when we got off the bus from the ferry, this this whole trip was like. Planes, trains, and automobiles. It really was. Um, we were on the subway to the bus station. Ferries. The bus station to this other place. And we had to get a lift. It was just ridiculous. But yeah, we were in Manhattan and we went to Times Square. That the was weather awesome, just, wasn't it? Yeah. Let's talk just... about how much of a mind blower, like seeing something like Times Square in person. I've seen it before, but you haven't actually been to Times Square before, right? I don't remember if we went when I was a kid. When I was a kid, we went to visit my grandparents. They live in Connecticut. And we went into New York City one day. And I do remember we did the World Trade Center. But um, I don't remember what else we did. I think we did a lot of walking around. Oh, we did go to the Empire State Building. I remember that. Also incredible. But I don't think we went to Times Square. So I think that was my first time. It's like tourist central, but... There's something overwhelming, you know, with those TV screens and then it's... Yeah, it was pretty cool. But then the weather changed. Just changed instantly. It was so crazy. The polar vortex, it was all over Mm -hmm. the news. We were in Times Square when it hit. We started seeing snow flurries. Well, we felt them first. Yeah, I felt... I thought, okay, so the first time I saw a snow flurry, I thought someone had flicked their ash in my face and i was like uh but then it was cold yeah i was like oh my gosh was that snow yeah yeah 
and then more came and more came and then the temperature just dropped like 10 yeah. degrees in the matter of 10 minutes and more snow came and it was like coming at a rapid speed and so it, was it was coming, coming in at you wasn't and it, was, it? And it was coming in like knives it was like yeah, stabbing yeah. you as it came down so when the weather dropped it was like that movie 2012 <laughs> i think it's called 2012 2012 tomato tomato i feel like that may be i've never really thought about it yeah but that movie how it it's not it wasn't that extreme of course but what a dumb movie just the the fact do you remember we went to see that at the cinema when we'd not long started dating yeah but it was it was just crazy the weather weather was crazy but the next day i had my surgery and daniel was in the hospital all day just sitting around waiting for me so he was you know after being in the cold all day and then sitting in a hospital all day i think you just i think it was a bit too much for you wasn't it yeah do you know um what actually got me the thing that turned me back into being a sick zombie was when i called for the lift to come and pick us up yeah and he parked at the back of the hospital but because he was within the vicinity it looked like oh. to lift that he was there and ready to pick us up. So I had That's to run right. outside. Because I sat there in the wheelchair. For like 15 right. minutes. That's right. Because I sat there in the wheelchair for yeah. a while. And I know we're jumping ahead here a little bit. But I think yeah. that's what turned me sick. Was going outside in my hoodie with the freezing cold. Oh my gosh. It was so cold. Miserable. And then oh. he drove off. He drove off just as I got there. And I had oh. to go and order another yeah, lift. Yeah, you had to get a different anyway, one. Anyway, I don't want to rant about I that. I remember sitting there... Like, for what it felt like ages. Well, you were so close to being sick again. I was. I know. I got really sick and I puked. Um, Anyway, we're going the wrong way with this. We are. We've gone right to the end. Um, Goodbye. (laughs) Um, No, but anyways, all that to say. And I'll provide more details about my surgery and what happened. And I want to do a YouTube video. I actually have a follow-up appointment with the surgeon in a couple of weeks um, on the phone. So as soon as I speak with him and get some more answers, I, I think I was very out of it when he talked to me in recovery, so I don't remember anything. And, of course, yeah, you don't remember I was anything. just so glad to hear that you're okay. Yeah. You know, the surgery took a little longer than we expected. Did it? See, I don't even... Re- I don't remember yeah. how long. I think it was supposed to take two hours. Two hours. I think I didn't hear anything for closer to three it felt like yeah um, and then i don't know when i finally did see you you're in the recovery where you know they've got the heater blowing up your your um your oh bed. my gosh yeah so it's like i a... remember that it was amazing that's like one of the only things i remember yeah. fr- from recovery i do remember that thing blowing up my um hospital sheets. sheets yeah yeah there was like a heater blowing Oh my gosh, that was amazing. It was warm in there. It oh, was really was warm in there. So but nice. you were so out of it. Like I came in and I was like, Hey, how you doing? I just remember you coming in going, Hey darling, it was endometriosis. Yeah. And, and then I was like, It was and yeah. you were like, Yeah and I was like <laughs> Yeah, no, you were like, Can I can I get you anything? And you were like, I need a wee so I went and told yes. I went and told the nurse I was like oh she needs a wee and he was like oh I'll get her a bedpan 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. They made me pee in the bed. Yeah. In a bedpan. There you go. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah. I do remember that. That felt like a dream. That's funny. Was it, was it a dream because I was like an angel? No. Or the peeing part? The was, peeing in the bed. This is a nightmare. Oh, my gosh. That's so weird. I didn't think of that until just yeah. now. That's funny. But anyways, I'm lacking a lot of information about the surgery really itself and kind of what our next steps will be. So I um, am anxious to get that phone call done and then I'll be able to fill in the blanks. A, yeah, post a YouTube video about it. And, and plus, we had a good time in New York. I think it was um, really good for our relationship. So for the first two days, we really just had to do the pre-op, which was... Um, pretty close to uh, Central Park. Yeah. And aside from that, we got to go and do some touristy things. Yeah, it was good. I mean, we haven't had a vacation in, so, I mean, two years. Together. I mean, I went to England in July for the football. But, I mean, actually, since our honeymoon eight years ago, we've never been on a vacation together just by ourselves. So, I mean, we've been to England every year. Does that not count? Is that no? Because we're no. with family the whole time, yeah. So, we never have alone time. And by the way, when we go to England, I'd barely even see you because you're off with your brother. So, I'm off being a lad, and I or am I, yeah. And I'm off with your mum shopping and causing trouble. So, it was nice, yeah. Yeah, it was. I think, and I think we did need that. It wasn't, I, prob- I think, probably my favorite part was the, the idea that you and me really didn't know a lot about Manhattan. We may have been there, but actually having the opportunity yeah. to just kind of and be dropped. And we did dropped really there. good. Yeah, we, we did, did good. We I mean, it. we just navigated like, oh, we need to get off here. And oh, we yeah. need to take this subway. We were regular city folk. Like, we were fully blown. Manhattans. Is that what they say? <laughs> yeah. Daniel almost got his wallet jacked. Did I? And I had to tell him how it is on the streets. Did I? Yeah, that guy was... Oh, dude, he wasn't going to jack my wallet. I would have dropped him. Left hook to throw this guy. <laughs> this guy says... We were looking for something, and we looked like We were tourists. in the subway, yeah. We definitely looked like tourists. But he was never going to get my wallet. Well, you... Dude, I would never give some stranger my wallet. I know, but you you weren't going to give him your wallet. I wasn't going to give like, him a card. He led us over to the Metro card yeah. little kiosk that you buy your Metro card with for the subway. And he goes, oh, here, I'll do it for you. And he starts touching all the buttons. And I said, I, said, I think this one's open. And I wanted to go... And, like, lose him. Yeah. But he starts, like, ordering the thing. And he's like, hand me your card. And I was like, no. I, th- I was like, we got it from here. But anyway. And then he asks for some change. Can't he's pull like, the wool over any, my eyes. You got any spare change? And I was like, no. I yeah, barely have no. any money. No, no. Uh, sir, we do not have spare change. <laughs> I can assure you that. That is every bit of our change is, <laughs> is accounted for. Do you know who we are? Yeah. <laughs> we have holes in our pockets. <laughs> And my wife is about to have yeah. four holes in her. <laughs> exactly. Four holes. Uh, so other than recovering from that virus, and um, I'm recovering from surgery nicely. So I'm just focusing on getting healthier and our next steps. And I started the supplements um, that Dr. Braverman specially formulates. So there is just a lot of those. One of the supplements I have to take three in the morning, four at night. Another one I have to take two a day. 
it's just a lot of stuff, and I, I've been feeling a little bit For those of you who can't see Candace, she just did this weird shaky thing by her head to yeah. indicate that she was feeling blah. Yeah, like my head is kind of in a fuzz. Side note, I forgot how much supplements make me feel like crap. Yeah. If you do it on an empty belly, they're going to make you feel well, like crap. Well, I'm not that hungry at 7 a.m., so yeah. I eat something light, like a perfect bar. Oh, can, can we please talk about perfect bars for those who don't know? They're good. They're a fave oh, in this household. Goodness. $2 a bar, peanut butter. Get them in your life, people. Yeah, they're really great. But does that happen to you guys? Do you get sick taking supplements? I think maybe my body needs to acclimate to them. I don't really know. Do you remember that time I almost OD'd on supplements? There was like a couple of weeks, this was years ago when we first started, Yeah. like we were thinking about doing IVF, so I was like trying to get really healthy yeah. and taking lots of supplements, and I was taking my prenatal, and then also... <sighs> you were doubling up. Yes, you, yeah, I was I taking too much. Supplements have been a bit of a struggle um, for me. I've also been struggling with something else. What is it? Well, they remulched the whole campus at work. They remulched it. Yeah. All oh. the areas that you would put mulch, yeah. they remulch. And <laughs> I understand what remulch <laughs> means. Yeah, but it stinks so bad. It's What's so it like manure? Kind of like manure and also like wood and Yeah. And another thing is they color it, you know, so they dye it, I guess. Yeah. So it's just is it a like bunch a of red chemicals. Color? No, that's brown. Still, it just stinks. And it it's not nice to walk to work in the morning with a bunch of mulch in the air. Yeah. I mean, I drive past the uh, paper doesn't... factory, don't I, every day. So yeah, I have but to it doesn't always stink. No, it doesn't. You're right. Here in Charleston, yeah. we have a, um, a paper mill, and it smells like wet cardboard sometimes. Um, my younger brother, Justin, described it as cheap ham. <laughs> so you know like the, no yeah 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 so the the lowest quality ham that you can buy and i now that's what it smells like to me that's all funny. the time oh my gosh good old justin, good old justin. and there's one other thing i kind of need to and this has been another source of struggle for me is ugh, i love ariana grande's music i can't help it Boo. it really like it's so annoying because she's a total brat Yes, she is. She's, she's, and she's a potty mouth. Is she? Yeah, she's, like, she cusses in all her songs, and I'm like, young lady. Um, don't all of Hollywood stars cuss? I mean, even Taylor Swift has done the occasional cuss. Maybe the occasional one word. Yeah. And that was just on her latest record, so. She's doing new ones. I don't know, but anyways, it just really irritates me. She... Ariana Grande just dropped a new record, and it's all I can listen to, and it's really irritating me. I love it, but I'm so ashamed of myself for it, so. If people know I listen to Ariana Grande, what are they going to think of me? Are they going to think I'm a brat? Yeah. And that I'm a potty mouth? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the music you listen to, no, of course not. I mean, it's music, it's pop music, first of all. It's created so that it catches your attention. I know, and but it's, you but like when it. people listen to Katy Perry, because I personally can't stand her, I I think less of them. Just you know, I need to get off my chest because I'm I'm struggling with a lot of self hatred right now. I've noticed because of my love of her music. 
So um, before we finish the topic of relationships on Valentine's Day, I asked my Instagram followers if they had any questions about us because I did? posted, yeah, I posted a picture of the night we met and I occasionally get questions from people, but um, I thought it would be fun to do a tiny little Q&A. Ooh. Um, one person asked how we met. Well, we talked about that on our first podcast yeah. episode. The short version is we met in Orlando. Karaoke bar. Karaoke bar. He couldn't resist me and... Bada bing, bada boom. That's how we met. Eight years later. No, nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Um, One person asked, what does Daniel do for work? I don't know, Daniel. Do we want to say what you do for Um, work? I work in publishing. Quality assurance for publishing. Mm-hmm. for a very book large publishing. company yeah book publishing so paperback yeah in particular for a very large company for the largest company and in the world and you could maybe figure it out from there yeah what took you from texas to carolina did you sell your texas house uh, a car took us from texas to carolina <laughs> uh that's a good question um so i think we talked a little bit about this in our second episode about um we had an ectopic pregnancy before that I really was just not kind of happy where I was living and just there was a lot of I guess life to be lived um outside the town I'm from so Mm -hmm. I I always felt a pull to be somewhere else and it didn't feel right to me so I guess when something like that happens to you, your surroundings become even more apparent. So being unhappy where you are became so much more obvious to me. Yeah, I think also it was a pretty tumultuous time. I just don't think from a stress level it was doing you any good. Yeah, so anyways, we had Charleston kind of on our our radar and 4th of July weekend, so this was... Uh, 2014. This was a couple of weeks after we had our ectopic pregnancy, our, that loss. And I was like, let's just drive to Charleston. Can I just say, I was totally against this. Like 100% because we were going to be exhausted. We had like three days off, I think. Four days yeah, off. We, we had just enough time to drive there Yeah. and drive back. Stay there for two days. And yeah. Then, yeah. So it was. It was literally. Had we not had the situation, the eptoc- eptopic pregnancy, I think I would have pushed back more. But you were in such a crappy place. It was just like. Yeah, I needed just to just go with it. I needed to get out of town. I'll be honest with you, I just fell in love with it immediately. It was an immediate. I could see myself staying here. Anyways, we went home. We put our house on the market. Daniel applied for a transfer transfer with his job his current job at the time he no longer works there but he got the transfer our house sold and we were here in September so we visited in July and we were here in September it was just kind of it moved pretty quickly very quick and we love it yeah it took it took longer for me to settle than you yeah but anyway on to the next question how did you guys decide where to live his side of the globe or yours? I can answer that. Uh, we originally didn't have a plan. When we went back to England after we met, which was about mm-hmm. three months after we met, 
when we arrived in England, it was going through the worst winter storms <laughs> in the history of recorded records. Yep. So it was a very easy um, decision for Candice because she just, <laughs> she could not settle in England. Now that we talk about it, um, she thinks that she probably could under the right circumstances. Yeah. I think, it, you know, because when we lived there, we were living in a garage flat. It was and beautiful though, wasn't it? It, it was, was so, nice. so nice, but we didn't have a shower or a, like we... We had to use the main house for those things. Yeah, there were times we couldn't use the main house, and so we had to walk down the street to mum's house. And have and a bath. <laughs> have a bath there. I hate baths. Um, it was just an, I guess, inconvenient because, and we didn't have a kitchen either. We had a microwave in the other room, but... We had a... Fr- um. We had a freezer room, remember? Because the other bedroom was so cold oh, that we yeah. could just leave stuff in yes. there. Yes, yes, I remember. We called it the freezer room. Yeah, it Ooh. was so cold. And we had a little heater in the room that we stayed in, though. And it was pretty cozy. Oh, it was so cozy. It was. Ours. It really was lovely. Like, yeah. we stayed there rent-free. Uh, God bless you. Five months, yeah. Yes, it was, it was wonderful and so thankful for it. Um, I think that I could definitely live there if we had a place of our own. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't at the time, so Careers it was there, very difficult. Yeah. yeah, I think I could definitely do it, especially at this time in my life right now. If we had kids, that's all I care about. Yeah, I, I yeah. really don't care. Um, we didn't decide to answer your question. It just kind of it happened. It just happened. Next question. You said the night you met your husband, you were singing. Are you a singer? And what were you singing? Yes, um, I was singing karaoke. I Very, very well, my aunt. I was singing just karaoke. It was, you know, it's silly. But I do like to sing. And yes, I can sing. So, anyway, that's it for the questions. Thank you for the questions. Keep if you them coming. Any I more questions, uh, feel free to... You can actually email us at thevanwades at gmail.com. This is an email I haven't given given out yet. It's kind of attached to the infertility website. So um, if you contact me on the website, it comes through that email. But if you don't want to go to the website and you just want to email us and reach out, ask us questions, you can reach us there. Yeah. So on the last episode of infertility podcast we talked about the way relationships change we talked about friends and family and how that changes when you're going through infertility not just infertility but even before the infertility diagnosis if you think about it you don't get the infertility diagnosis until you've been trying for at least a year so imagine you know all the hype and the excitement and then over the span of a year I mean that's like the worst yeah that's that's the worst part of Mm -hmm. infertility is that first year when you're so hopeful and the doctors really aren't you know too concerned with moving things along because they're thinking oh it'll happen eventually yeah so anyways um a lot of relationships change so um I did get a lot of feedback on that episode it seems like A lot of people really did identify with that. They've been through the same things. So thank you for your feedback. In this episode, we wanted to wrap up the relationship 
series uh, with the workplace relationships and also the relationships with your significant other. So first, the relationships in the workplace. How much sharing is too much? What details of trying to conceive should be shared? And it's not just a question of if you're comfortable sharing, it's like... Is the person receiving the information comfortable receiving? Right, and who who you should be sharing with. Some of the sharing may not be very appropriate. Yeah. So there's a variety of work settings, so... You could very well get away with not telling anyone in some work settings, but for the most part, telling someone in the workplace eventually becomes a thing, right? Yeah. Um, It's inevitable and you can't avoid it. And it's difficult to avoid. Most working people are with their coworkers more than they are with their family, so it makes it even harder to hide when you start building close relationships with your coworkers or when you're spending more time with them. Um, going through treatments, I sometimes go into work a little bit late. Like a mm-hmm. lot of times my appointments are at 7.30, so I don't get in until like 8.30 or um, a couple minutes after, Yeah. Um, you know, when I'm having scans and things. So I, I didn't want my employer to think I was some delinquent um, coming in late, <laughs> um, being off every now and then. There's there's probably some jobs where no one would notice if no. If you were late. Yeah. A lot. Which, tell me what that is so I can, yeah. <laughs> I can like have that, that job. That would be fun. Um, but some jobs, you know, you're not really accountable to someone. Or if you're the boss, that's even better. But there have been so many instances where I was on the phone with my clinic or fighting the insurance company or ordering medication or you know, whatever. And I shared um, my office with one other person. If she didn't know what was going on, she would be like, what is happening with her? Yeah. Like, is she dying? What or What is going on? Yeah. Is she selling her kidney? <laughs> right. But if you're just starting trying to conceive on your own, I'd be inclined to say, keep it to yourself for now. Uh, 100%. As long as you can, you know, because once you start telling people, there's just no going back from it. And I know that I can't say I regret it because you learn from it, those types of things. But when we were so excited in the beginning and telling so many people and like, you just can't, can't untell people. But if, if it helps you get support at work and telling a coworker or at least one coworker that you're really close with, um, that could be beneficial. So go for it if you feel comfortable, but just be ready for people to ask questions. Or not. Or not. Some people may just shy away from it. You know what? That's true, Daniel. Like some people might not even care. And then, I mean, that's happened to me before. Well, I'm going to be honest. If one of my employees said to me, Hey, Daniel, I'm currently going through, um, fertility issues and we're actually doing IVF I wouldn't ever prompt the conversation like to ask how they're doing it would be literally hey how's it going I wouldn't ask like how's the IVF going yeah did the old semen fertilize the egg (laughs) give us a little give us a little bit (laughs) well that would be inappropriate yeah no I crossed a line yeah that that would be a little inappropriate but if you're going through fertility treatments I lean more towards telling your boss like I'm just I'm kind of an open book when Mm -hmm. it comes to that sort of thing if they're an understanding person if they're a really rude person maybe not and then they can just think what they want about your absence from work or whatever um 
if they're rude anyways. I don't know what to say about that, but, or don't, it's totally up to you. When we first started IVF, I was a full-time student in college. I was in an accelerated summer math program. Blah. It was, ugh. It was Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 10, 20 a.m., And if you missed a class, you were like completely screwed because she flew through the material. I mean, it was a four-week course, so I couldn't miss any class, but I did need to miss a class one day, so I had to tell her, like, hi, um... I have to miss a class. Hi I've, there. I've known you for two weeks. I know. Um, I'm having my eggs retrieved. Um, but it was it was super important for me to tell her that. She was a mother of three. She was so understanding. My last semester in college, we were actually going through our second round of IVF. And I had to tell my team leader because there were times when I had to go into the back room, give myself a shot. But he was totally uninterested. Like when I had that conversation with him, he was visibly uncomfortable. But don't you think that's the reaction from most men? Like they're genuinely uncomfortable yes. about those sorts of things. Yes, but he's married and his wife actually got pregnant shortly after I that. Oh, like, well done. Yeah, good job. Oh. I bet that target discount's really helping. I think if you're a man and you, you have a wife, like... Just picture yourself going through that with your wife. Yeah. Anyways, he had no compassion. And no, I, but he's I felt. He was a bit of a jerk, anyway. Yeah, he was a jerk. And, I mean, I felt stupid for telling him, but I kind of had to. Yeah. I also told my bo- boss that I work for now. I started my current job last summer. I do research. And when I started, I was going through my third round of IVF. I'm, I'm, I'm always working. You're a pro at this. I know. I immediately needed a day off. And there were a couple of days where I needed to come in late because I had scans in the morning. And this was, I'm talking my first... First week, wasn't it? First week, first couple weeks of work. I was really worried because this job is different from jobs I've had in the past. You know, it's like my career. It's a career move. Hooters just wasn't paying the money anymore. (laughs) You know, getting into your field of interest after getting your degree and things like that is kind of important. So I was really concerned about how it would affect the workplace. And I being professional is so important to me. So I was kind of worried if telling my boss was going to be somewhat unprofessional. Or just tarnish you, you know, with a bad reputation. Or just make her be like, oh, she's got baggage. She's broken. Like, broken. Oh, she's got all these health issues. I swear you say, like, I don't think people call other people broken. But anyways, I was so surprised because she was very knowledgeable about IVF. And she knew exactly what the process was like. And she was and continues to be extremely supportive so that is nice. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's right for me, personally. It may not be right for everyone. What about you? When, uh, my I boss don't remember is, when you told your boss. I, I told my boss not long after we had our first egg retrieval. And I felt like that was good to have that level of transparency. So she knew that if I was going to need to take a day off, she knew what I was doing. It wasn't just a case of taking a day off. She still continues to be a fantastic support. Yeah like incredible she asks questions she knows the stuff that we're going through because it's like she researches it 
and she you know so like she'll ask me how it goes and then she'll finish my sentences when I'm talking about it and it's like you know yeah that that shows someone who cares really nice and Mm -hmm. it's interesting too because like you could have probably gotten away with never telling your employer Mm -hmm. I think for men it's different yeah um actually you go to all my appointments with me so you're always at my appointments with me but a lot of my appointments happen to be on your off days Mm mm-hmm yeah. I would reckon for some men, it's probably really easy to not tell their employers. Yeah, 100%. Like, men probably never have to do that. Except for, you know, you, because you're just open with your boss. But yeah. anyways, yeah. So, you know, the workplace is a, is a tricky one because like with family and friends, you have to kind of gauge what your dynamic is. Share um, it with the people that... First could potentially be impacted by it would be my advice yeah if you don't think this person's gonna need to know don't share it with them because these things are always awkward right anything to do with procreation can be awkward if you're discussing it with the wrong people so my advice is discuss with the people who need to know yeah so the last thing we want to talk about is the relationship with your significant other your spouse your partner your husband your wife how do you think our relationship has changed. Uh, I would say it's got stronger from a foundational yeah, sure. level. Um, I don't think there is anything that either one of us could do that would shock the other. We know each other yeah. inside out. Um, has it changed the way you perceive me? Um, yes. I thought you were In a complete wussy. <laughs> no, you just, um, you're very strong immensely strong i could not go through the things that you've gone through just couldn't and i wouldn't Mm. you know obviously it would be a different end goal but i wouldn't go through the injections i wouldn't go through the blood work i wouldn't go through someone violating you with a robot lollipop (laughs) i wouldn't go through those things i couldn't go through i'm not strong enough to do it um you on the other hand has done it and done it with a smile on your face and so I, mm. you're far stronger than me. I, I could not do that. So yes, it's definitely shown. It's definitely shown me that, um, that women as a as a gender, as a sex, whatever you want to call it, are far far stronger than men. Yeah, spoken yeah. like a real man too. Yeah. What about you? I think you've grown a lot. I have um, put on weight. no i'm not talking about me uh you've definitely grown in that when we first got married you know the happy wife happy life motto that most men adhere to daniel did not uh, i think every man struggles with that that was no i don't think so they do but daniel was not of that mindset let me just put it that way he definitely makes me happy but he doesn't fold very easily and he doesn't do whatever I want to do just to please me and I do like that because I mean I'm I'm not a very high maintenance person I don't need a lot to be no, happy no, 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 no. highly strong highly high strong yeah. that's true but I think over the past couple of years at least when we've been going through our fertility treatments you've been very I would say supportive in it doesn't matter what my mood is and it doesn't matter why and it doesn't matter that you don't understand Mm -hmm. you just kind of let me be and that's exactly what I've needed is space and yeah 
understanding. Yeah, it's definitely been a roller coaster. Yeah. Of emotion, um, stress, happiness, hope, um, and they're just the things that you've gone through. I think it's you know in terms of how our relationship has changed, um, we are adults now. When we first met, we were kids. Right. And seems that way now doesn't yeah. it looking back now we're you know we've still got that hope we've had our bouts of skepticism where we just didn't think you know cynically thinking that it was never going to happen but um i, I think did. we're on the yeah and i've always been think positive think positive but i think honestly we are on the home stretch now i really yeah. do think that feels like we've kind of turned a corner for sure in our um infertility a journey so um but relationships with your partner is is a really delicate thing because you're experiencing these things together but in different mm-hmm. ways so the perspectives differ but hopefully you and your partner have a solid foundation of which to go on and there are just some things to keep in mind when you're trying to conceive one thing is like you have to be on board, both of you. 100%. Like, I've seen some really sad things. Um, When I first started my account, like, two years ago, uh, there was a girl who they went to their WTF appointment right after their transfer failed. And her husband or partner, I think maybe they were just, you know, they weren't married, but he dumped her in the parking lot. After, like, in the parking lot of the clinic... Yeah. And said he didn't want to do this anymore. Well, they weren't even married, were they? I think no, they were I like, don't think they were married, were they but they were doing, yeah, they were doing IVF, but it was so sad. And I don't know who that was. Like if, if I you're listening and that was you, I don't know. I don't remember now. I don't, yeah. I don't remember her name. I don't remember her handle, but oh my gosh, if, if I can't imagine going through that, all of that for nothing. Yeah. Um, just, just a heartbreak. Just to add on to that, people say that renovations of houses really test relationships, right? Been there, done it. We've done that. We have done infertility and treatment. If you can't get through a renovation, <laughs> don't even think about doing infertility. <laughs> it is 10 times as hard. It's so hard. Yeah, those, those two things do not even compare. Luckily, we weren't doing those things at the same time. Goodness. We had finished our renovation. Um, funny thing is, we actually sold that house so that we could pay for IDF. So, it comes full circle. Yeah. But seriously, if you're that girl and you're listening somehow, or if you know that girl, please write write me. Um, I hope something good has happened to you, and I hope yeah. your life is good. Um, We'd like to get you on the podcast as well. But, yeah, that would be cool. But I think, you know, being on the same page is not always, you can't always be on the same page about everything, but this thing you kind of need to be on the same page about. And I think by nature, women are the ones who approach the husband and say, look, I want to start trying to have a baby. And then the husband's like, okay, you know, I've, the only time I've ever seen the man instigate it is on Southern Charm. Remember when Cameron was like, oh, he wants kids and I don't really want kids. And then she gets off birth control and gets pregnant right away. Just screw oh, her. He, he wants a baby, so I guess I'm going <laughs> to have to go and do it. Yeah, she didn't even want a baby. And then yeah. she threw her pills away and she gets pregnant right well, away. Well, I guess screw I'm not tough. I can't drink my sangria anymore. 
<laughs> I don't know. It sounds like something awful. she'd say. I know, but... But Daniel and I have always been on the same page about IVF. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think I wanted to have babies sooner in our marriage, um, like before we got married. <laughs> but yeah. that would have been really tacky. Um, yeah. But that's it's oh. good that we didn't do it that way. Um, obviously, we wouldn't have gotten pregnant, but... It's not possible to be on two different wavelengths. Don't don't put yourself through that. The other thing I think that's super important, and this is not a new concept to a marriage, is communication. Mm-hmm. I think it's even more essential when you're going through this because men can't understand what's going on in a woman's body. They can try, um, and they definitely should try, but they really don't know no. what you're feeling. I mean, the weight fluctuating. Um, you may feel insecure at times. I know for me, I always feel insecure about what's become of my body. You may just be feeling emotional, fine the next day, and then emotional again. And yeah, it's just hormones. But men being clueless is also not a new concept in a marriage. When you're going through trying to conceive the moods are harder to track and then they may be they may not understand why you're tired all the time etc so the topic of interest clearly becomes babies and nothing else is important and I know it takes over right and I know that sometimes you ask me you're right and I'm like uh no I'm not all right I can't babies (laughs) yeah um which is a really wild response right but seriously that's all that's on our minds and so that's driving everything pretty much and you know men are not mind readers regardless of the movie what women want that's total trash mel gibson i know get out of here mel men are not mind readers and they never have been and they never will be and communication is huge and i've already talked about how like daniel does not pick up on social cues he sure as heck does not pick up on them when it comes to me (laughs) it's true that's just who he is and he could do better at it but you know I could also do better at communicating with him about what I'm feeling at the mom do people say that at the mom I just did it sounds really cool thanks you should do that more often we'll start a trend but uh I shouldn't expect that he knows exactly how my day went so when he walks in the door after coming home from work and he sees me in a neutral light you know, unless I'm throwing a shoe at him or something. You've, he never, hasn't... Shown, you've never actually thrown a shoe at me, thankfully. No, but when you walk in the door, you haven't, like, absorbed my energy or my Aura. mood. Right, just yet. Like, to me, I feel like I wear my heart on my sleeve. And I feel that when I'm at home, I feel I'm doing a pretty good job of accurately exuding my mood. My mood? Mood. When I'm at home, I... I am who I am. Like, yeah. it all hangs out, and it all just comes out, so... Someone put a shirt on that girl. It's all hanging out. <laughs> all, all that to say with, you know, is in dealing with infertility, you should just be really even more communicative of your feelings mm-hmm. than normal. Um, I I think that I, and I've done a better job as time goes on mm-hmm. or ha- as time has progressed um of telling you i'm not having a good day so don't ask me what's wrong yeah and that's fine to do by I'm, the way. I'm more than happy with that yeah. rather than silence going into trying to conceive 
tell your husband the types of feelings that you're having physically, emotionally, mentally, and make it clear so that he can provide you with the space or the hugs mm-hmm. or whatever it is that, you know, could support you. Um, communication is so key. I'm curious to know what has changed for the better or for the worse in other people's relationships with their yeah. um, partners. So I'd like um, some questions as well, like people to ask questions yeah, about definitely. that and advice. And- I hope that... Like I've, I've gotten some feedback recently about people listening to our podcast with their husband. And that makes me so happy because that's kind of what we wanted Mm -hmm. with this podcast, just to have you guys hearing both of our perspectives. Don't make our mistakes. Right. Hopefully the things that we've been through and the hell that we've been through, you guys can be like, oh wow, our life is not that, that bad. Like, yeah. they make us feel so much better about our life. Yeah. But thank you guys for your support. Yes, we, thank you. It means a lot to us. So, we'll wrap this up. Next time on the Infertility Podcast. Endometriosis. My special guest and I will discuss what it is and our experience with it. Thanks for listening. I'm Daniel. And I'm Candice. Bye-bye. Night. Bye-bye. Night. Bye. 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 Bye.